Welcome to Nature Finds a Way, a pop culture podcast where we nerd out about biology facts and fiction in some of our favorite books, movies, and TV shows. I'm Lindsay and she's Sarah and we are marine biologists in recovery and today we're going back to the sea and talking about deep blue sea. Ooh, I didn't even plan that. Hooray! And very special, we have a special guest returning first ever return guest yay Woo! i'm so honored you should be it's a big deal in our very fancy famous podcast yes our returning guest is amanda aka Lindsay's sister hooray hello welcome back to the pod that we forced you to be on for all of your shark knowledge yeah i believe i was asked for this particular episode because i had a very deep love of this movie in high school for some reason which i don't really remember why after watching it again but i believe i bugged Lindsay about it quite a bit when i was in high school yeah and that's okay was it shirtless thomas jane i don't even think so at all it was probably Sam Jackson, if I'm honest. Fair enough. Yeah, just being awesome. Um, and LL Cool J is probably the real reason. He's very funny. Or the parrot. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I was going to look up Thomas Jane because I know he's been in other things. I just don't. I think I feel that he was like, I don't know. He's the boyfriend in things. Oh, yeah. I think he's often like the asshole boyfriend in things. Yeah, like this is a huge role for him. Um, and it Well, was- I actually read somewhere, I think IMDb, that it was his breakout role. Oh, yeah, and he's in The Expanse now-ish. I definitely liked him in this. He was very muscly and good. Well, and I think I saw, too, that the director really wanted a lot of sort of old favorite actors and then new people that no one had heard heard of before. So that was a good mix. I mean, Samuel Jackson and LL Cool J were both very good. Yeah, it's true. And and. Stellan Skarsgård, or however you say his name. Well, I guess we can start talking about the plot a bit, because um, I wonder if some of that, like, casting unknowns was about subverting expectations, because, like, I was not expecting the, like, name characters like Samuel L. Jackson and Stellan Skarsgård to, like, get killed fairly early in the movie, really. Yeah, I knew it was coming because of the way he was standing right next to the water. It's quite a... A surprising death. <laughs> but yeah, that it was Sam Jackson. Yeah. But yeah, I think I was, I think after they killed Stellan Skarsgård, I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess they don't care about the big names. But also in 1999, I don't know how big he was because it was pre-Marvel and pre-Mamma Mia, which let's face it is his breakout role. That's probably what he's best known for. So if uh, if you have seen Deep Blue Sea, but haven't recently re- rewatched it like us, uh, Lindsay, do you want to give a brief uh, plot summary? Okay. So it's from 1999. And so it's like, right, it's it's a very classic monster movie plot. And, but I highly enjoyed it. Um, I think it, it holds up. It doesn't have anything like, you know, cringeworthy. I was very excited that the the lead female did not get kissed. Me as well. Like, I think that was a really big deal. I was really excited that LL Cool J lived, especially because they check off gunned the what the black man never makes it out. Um, mm-hmm. So he lived. And then also the romantic lead woman died. And so they didn't get to have a, you know, a kiss in the sinking sea. 
<laughs> LL Cool J, I think, was the other uh, romantic lead, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, so again, I read a thing. I think this was all on the IMDb trivia that they actually had her live originally at the end and then they had the big kiss moment but when they showed that to audiences uh the audiences didn't like it because they viewed her as the villain Mm, yeah i think that's a lot of it because she was totally the villain Um, so they had had to do a whole reshoot to change the ending which i really liked the way that they ended it this way i liked it i liked her character arc because she was evil but she felt bad about it and i liked that she went for the science because at least she was evil but wanted to protect her evilness. No, she felt bad about it at the very end when she was like one out of three people who were alive. That's She's when like, she felt bad about oh, it. Oh, I guess this was a bad idea. She yeah. felt bad Oopsie. about it when it started affecting her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When she lost her data and then was like, well, now this is... Hmm, making giant sharks smart was not the right thing to do. <laughs> if only I had watched Jurassic Park. <laughs> um, She did have her gratuitous sexy scene which i even um, yes before that happened i wrote down we have two female women two female women two women wearing wetsuits one is a normal high neck wetsuit and one is a sexy wetsuit that only goes up to half boobs like why <laughs> why is that i did notice that as well and then she had to take like she took it off for a good reason so that she could stand on the rubber so that when she was electrocuting the shark like that was fine i appreciated that yeah Mm-hmm. Well, she also took that wetsuit off in record time. Like, there's no way you can take a wetsuit off that fast. Anyway, so plot. Sam Jackson is the rich man working for a pharmacy company. With they... a dark past. Oh, yes, he has a dark past, as Sam Jackson always does. Um, And he, the one of the sharks escapes in a classic we're going to rip off Jaws opening sequence. And then, so he goes to visit them while they're doing the research, which is this like World War II bunker thing in the middle of the sea. It's basically the Meg uh, set up, but 10 years before the Meg came out, 20 years, sorry. Um, and so, so maybe just, it's the deep blue sea setup, but the Meg stole it. Probably, but the Meg made it fancier. So they're all there and they're doing studies on these huge sharks, which would not survive in the sea pens that they're in because they're way too big. We can talk about that later. Um, and basically they took the sharks and made their brains bigger because there's a protein in the brain that could help do crazy movie science to help solve Alzheimer's and make Alzheimer's brains work again. Surprisingly, everything goes wrong. Uh, the sharks are pissed and kill everybody. Except for Thomas Jane because he has a lot of muscles, and LL Cool J because he's the best. <laughs> the end. And in and amongst all that, there's a giant storm, and a helicopter crashes into the station, and everything catches on fire, and basically anything that can go wrong does go wrong. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of um, thing is sinking, and that's the big problem, but also the sharks are there, and also above us is fire. Like... It's a lot, but it doesn't become too much. Like, it's not gratuitous. It's kind of uh, like the opposite of deus ex machina, however that is. like Everything everything... that can go wrong will. Yeah. For instance, when LL Cool J uh, tries to get away from one of the sharks and climbs into his own oven, which then the shark turns on. Yeah, that was one of the most ridiculous ones. 
it, it was super ridiculous. But then he got it back because then he pulled out his lighter, which was still fine after being in the water. Uh, and he's like, you ate my bird. And then he blew him up. Yeah, the movie is pretty ridiculous and fun. And I think works because it's not trying to be anything too serious. Yeah, it knew what it was. Like, it was so gratuitous with its um, killing of things. Like, the CGI was really good and um, and the robotics. They talk about it a lot in the trivia of... Um, there's also there's a part of the ro- of the trivia where they were like, Bruce from Jaws was whatever, 26 feet. So they made these ones 27 feet because they're like, we have to win, which is ridiculous, but whatever. Um, but they talk, like, like, Sam Jackson and all the other actors are like, you can't, like, you were watching the robotics and they look real and all sorts of stuff. So they did a really good job with that. But then the CG of, like, the people dying and, like, the legs twitching and stuff was so <laughs> over the top that it just was funny that it was like, the movie is laughing with you at this point. Yeah. yeah. And, like, when LL Cool J's character gets whipped around by a shark and then isn't dead yeah um, it's totally that, fine mm-hmm. i just was totally assuming that he'd been killed because that was so ridiculous and yeah. over the top me too um and then i was sad because i was like i didn't want him to die but yeah and then stellan Starsguard, the way that they he just ripped his arm off just like tra-la-la it was hilarious yeah like his <laughs> yeah. arm getting ripped off like came off more easily than the shark dragging him into the pool by his arm it was funny <laughs> Oh, and before we get into, like, shark science, uh, in that same scene, when they bring the shark up onto the raised platform and the shark's anesthetized, and then everybody's all, like, getting in the water around the shark and trying to do science on it, and the, the female scientist, the marine biologist, gets in the water wearing, like, dress pants and a lab coat and gumboots, and, like, the water doesn't come over the gumboots, but she's gonna get wet, and that is not how scientists would dress in that situation, I know. They should be wearing lab no. coats. So you oh, know it's not? not? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm so surprised um, by this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you know this, Amanda, but they have to have lab coats on. Otherwise, there's no way of identifying them as scientists. Yeah. So um, that's why she's wearing a lab coat. Um, because she is the head To show scientist. she's the smartest. Even though Stellan Starsgard is supposed to be But whatever. he's smoking in an underground submarine wet lab. That's also under pressure because they were trying to mm-hmm. um, keep the water down while, yeah. It was just like last week with the John Hurt and um, Tom Skerritt smoking in space. I'm like, don't smoke in space. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe they're candy cigarettes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So when they bring the shark up, this is the first part where I'm going to talk about some shark science. But let's talk about the sharks first, which were Mako sharks, which was surprising to me. Um, I don't know why. I just assumed that they were going to be great whites because that's how shark movies work. Um, So these are Mako sharks. There's two kinds of Mako sharks, the short fins and the long fins. And I, I don't know which ones these were. I don't think that they cared that much. Um, but short fin mako sharks have one of the largest brain to body ratios. So they have done a lot of studying investigation into the intelligence of makos. We'll put some links in, but there's lots of recognition and the fact that they're fast learning and all sorts of different things. So And that their brain can cure Alzheimer's. Was that yeah. also a thing yeah, about yeah, Makos? It's, yeah. it's definitely one hundred percent in here. Um, so that may have been why they decided to choose, choose Makos. They're also a large shark and they're scary looking because they've got crazy teeth. 
Yeah, I think I noticed that in one shot and I was like very like I think that did the teeth sort of almost come out when he was gonna yeah they kind of have like an overbite with like and their teeth also are crossed yeah over is so and they're thin pointy teeth and they kind of point in all kinds of unexpected directions yeah they definitely have not the cliched teeth that you would expect from a shark jaw as well um they have attacked humans but not as much as the other larger sharks which we'll talk about in a bit but um so in from between 1580 and 2017 there have been nine attacks so (laughs) i don't really count those guys as from makos yeah oh Um, wow so one was fatal and 20 boat attacks so they're not really um attacking probably because of their size um and also because sharks don't attack humans but we'll get there and the fact that their brains hadn't been enlarged by exactly. hormones yeah. and whatnot. So this is one of the things that I get to when I watch when I watch this movie as opposed to watching The Meg or Jaws when I'm like, I can't account for any of the actions that the shark does because this isn't how a normal shark, this isn't a normal shark, so it's fine. Um, yeah, it's actually, I guess, <laughs> a, a nice plot loophole that they can just explain it all away yeah. by, this is a smart shark, the end. Exactly. Yeah, and they don't actually do too many crazy things they do swim backwards which is a thing that sharks can't do which i was gonna put in the notes and forgot to look but up. she actually remember? pointed that out the the blonde marine biologist yeah the one thing that really stuck out to me behavior wise was at the end when the marine biologist is trying to keep the shark from escaping so she cuts her hand and then the shark like turns around from the broken open fence and um like swims back towards her that seemed really unbelievable because a there's a whole ocean full of food it wasn't that much blood and probably already pretty bloody water and their whole goal was to escape like that's these smart sharks had like been working to do he needed to get to the deep blue sea so that they could say the thing <laughs> deep blue sea and also like they didn't in- they increased the size of the sharks especially that one but like he had already eaten like three humans by that point like he didn't need to eat again um, so he was just, he was turning around to kill her because he was mad at her. She, sorry, this shark was a female. Maybe she was feeding the shark her own drops of blood this whole time as well. Wait, no. <laughs> Little shark. Sorry, moving on. Um, so the one thing I want to talk about is tonic immobility, which is a crazy word. Um, but it's what is, happens is when a shark is gently turned on their back, it's thought to disorient and disorient them causing them to enter this state of tonic immobility and sharks relax their breathings become deep deep and rhythmic and they basically it's a way to turn put sharks to sleep kind of um sharks do need to have water running over their gills like all fish um so if you're going to do this you need to be in a state of running water like if a boat's slowly moving um at least and but it is a way to do science on sharks do safe science um small science like blood tests not removing dna from their brains although yes sticking giant needles in their brain yeah and it would tonic immobility would make it safe for you but uh the shark if you're sticking giant needles in their brain would still need to be um anesthetized and actually fun fact usually at least in my experience the way that um 
they anesthetize fish is actually to put the anesthetic in the water that they're flowing over the gills because that water gets absorbed into their bloodstream and that's how they get oxygen but also how you can uh, put anesthetic in the in their system yes no yeah they should still need to be anesthetized but if they were upside down um there would be a larger chance that they wouldn't do a random sweep to the right and chop someone's arm off and in this state-of-the-art lab when we were using hand wavings because it was 1999 and they were all like look at these computers but whatever um they definitely could have made a a thing where she took the thing from upside down like that would have been no problem whatsoever um Especially because anesthesia in large animals, especially cold-blooded animals, can be pretty unpredictable and hard to get the dosage right. So, yeah, a little backup for the human safety would be good. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, Also, they could have taken the thing from the shark, put the shark back, and then put the protein under the microscope. Like, what? (laughs) Why wouldn't you do that? They were very anxious for this super exciting test of curing Alzheimer's. Um, Sarah, do you want to tell us about why you shouldn't swim um, with just bathing shorts on next to a shark? Sure. Um, Yeah, so sharks have skin that has a texture similar to sandpaper. And I don't know if you've actually accidentally brushed against sandpaper or, um, you know, like the stuff that they put on like the no slip stuff on stairs, if you've, you know, accidentally slipped on that somehow, um, it hurts and it's not a fun experience. And the reason that sharks have such rough skin is actually because all over their skin, they have, instead of hairs, these things called denticles. And it's not a coincidence that that word sounds like dentist because they're basically little teeny tiny teeth all over their skin um, to help uh, stiffen up their skin and protect them uh, from the things in the ocean that might try to attack them. So I shouldn't just jump in the water with a shark and try and grab onto its uh, fin with my bare hands and in a just regular bathing suit then. Yes, that is correct. He was wearing gloves because he needed to get the Jaws homage out of the shark's mouth. Yes, the license plate. Yes, which uh, is the exact same license plate. Um, They didn't even try. They're like, look, came up the Gulf Stream. Jaws! Remember Jaws? If you like Jaws, you'll like this movie. Do you want to talk about the science or, Amanda, do you have a shark question? Oh, I'm sure I do have a shark question. So one of my questions was about... uh, the the shark skin and he was basically like riding almost mm-hmm. dolphin style yeah uh, next to the shark with like no shirt on no um, and that was a tiger shark which is a human killer so so they they caught the tiger shark to feed to these uh genetically engineered mako sharks so um i was wondering how often do sharks eat other sharks um, I've definitely heard of it from with uh, baby sharks, but so mako sharks can and have been known to eat other sharks. Um, the primary diet of short fin mako sharks are cephalopods, so squids and octopus, and also bony fish like normal fish like tuna, mackerel, swordfish. They will also eat other sharks in- as well as porpoises, sea turtles, and seabirds. So basically they'll eat whatever they can catch. Um, but it's not uncommon for sharks to eat other sharks, um, just like fish eat other fish. It's not really like um, 
that unusual in the animal kingdom. And so what size are they normally, the, the makos? Because I, I haven't really ever heard of them before. I've only heard of the great whites and the tigers and the common ones that you hear about. So short fin makos are about 3.2 meters or 10 feet in length. And, and long fin makos are typically about two and a half meters or 8.2 feet in length. I think I saw on, because I was looking up a bunch of stuff about this last night and great whites it said was 23 feet, which I had no idea. Yeah, yeah That's massive. Like when, you, when you said great whites, that I think that might be like max. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Longfin makos are the second largest in the species in that family after the great white. Um, and yeah, the typical great white weighs about about five meters for a female is sort of like the upper end of typical. But there are individuals larger than that. Well, and another thing they talked about was that sharks are one of the oldest creatures. And that's I've, I've sort of heard before. Yeah, so sharks are over 400 million years old, but that doesn't really mean anything i think the point that they're making is that sharks haven't really evolved in 400 million years as far as we know they're very similar to their ancestors as opposed to other species that have ancestors that from 400 million years ago that look totally different like marine mammals or all of the cast of star trek in that episode where they all evolved or devolved (laughs) There you go, Sarah. Star Trek reference. <laughs> ah, yes, much appreciated. Um, and I think part of that too is like sharks have a pretty typical body plan, with the, a few exceptions, like the filter feeding sharks, such as whale sharks, and then you know the somewhat kooky ones like hammerheads. Most other sharks kind of have the same thing, like they're predators. They're you know relatively um similar body shapes compared to like other groups of um animals so yeah they've sort of hit like a good sort of they picked they picked a good body plan and have kind of stuck with it for i guess 400 million years but like that doesn't really mean anything other than they haven't evolved for a long time no so this is a good uh segue into the conversation about the science that they were doing on the sharks but it doesn't it doesn't mean anything like it makes them interesting to study because they are obviously a very well um put together animal because they haven't had a need to do any like major evolutionary changes um for a very long time so they're doing good they eat swim make little sharks yeah and i guess whatever evolutionary pressures that initially caused them to evolve are still kind of consistent like there's still oceans and there's still food in those oceans they got teeth in their mouth and they got teeth on their skin they got six senses and they're good sorry seven senses i got that i knew that was wrong. what are these seven senses <laughs> oh uh so one of them is the lateral line which is something that a lot of fish have which is the ability to sense movement in water around you so if you look at a fish lots of normal normal fish shaped fish they got a kind of you can kind of see a line running down uh the middle of their body like up right above their yeah right above their um pec fins pectoral fins uh and that's a lateral line all fish have them um and that yeah it helps you sense movement in the water so that you can be like hey there's something over there i'm gonna go this way just in case that something wants to eat me 
Um, and their seventh sense is... The- so sharks can sense electricity in the water using the ampullae of Lorenzini. Yeah, so these ampullae of Lorenzini are little pores kind of all over their snout, rostrum, mouth, head area. Um, they kind of look like little little zits or little blackheads, but they are uh, a network of jelly-filled pores. And then the, the jelly inside is used to detect electrical signals. And then there's nerves connecting those pores to their brain. Um, they can detect uh, electrical and magnetic fields, as well as temperature gradients. Um, and the main thing that's thought of is like, why do they need to sense electricity? But... Um, people and anybody with a beating heart and muscle contractions there are electrical stimuli uh, controlling those so that's one way that shark can sense predators and prey especially in seawater because it conducts electricity better than freshwater so yeah they're pretty well put together animals well they're gliding monsters according to the marine biologist in this movie who's calling them monsters which i thought was uh, at least knowing you guys not really an actual thing a biologist would do (laughs) yeah she'd be more likely to like refer to them as like her babies (laughs) or her um yeah something cute rather than monsters like that's not a super realistic uh thing especially like even though, yes, they are doing pretty intense research on these animals, like they're going to get attached to them uh, and refer to them with affection. Okay, uh, what's next? Sarah's going Sarah's gonna to talk about some science and then we're going to get up on my high horse. So in this movie, they are doing research on all of these sharks. And um, the main thing uh, that they're trying to research is a cure for Alzheimer's because I guess the lead researcher has a personal connection with Alzheimer's and... Um, Yes, yeah, so they're trying to like find some enzyme to cure Alzheimer's. But the other thing that is talked about in this movie and is also a huge problem is the myth that sharks cannot get cancer. So since uh, maybe like the 60s or 70s, there's been this really um, persistent and I think damaging myth that sharks cannot get cancer. So everything I'm about to say is false, that sharks can't get cancer. And because of that, there is something inside of sharks that if we consume it, then we will also not get cancer. Everything in that statement is false. So it's thought that sharks can't get cancer because of all the cartilage. And there's something about cartilage that blocks blood transmission and then, or blocks blood flow and then prevents cancer from spreading, um, which may be true. Um, And yes, sharks do have a lot of cartilage, but yeah, like I said, everything that I said before was false. Sharks can get cancer. Us eating shark cartilage or other shark body parts does not prevent us from getting cancer because eating it isn't what is prevent. Like consuming cartilage doesn't give you more cartilage to prevent cancer, um, even if that was a thing. So um, there's a really great article that sort of busts through every myth about this, um, and we'll link that in the show notes from the Scientific American, and. Basically, it talks about um, there's a huge uh, sort of like monetary um, system attached to uh, this idea that sharks can cure cancer. So um, the myth started basically because they found some like um, anti-angiogenic properties or anti-tumor growing properties in cartilage. Nothing specific to shark cartilage. We all have cartilage. You have cartilage in your ears, all that kind of stuff. 
and yes, it can inhibit blood vessels, but it's inhibiting it in like a mechanical way. So eating shark cartilage or taking pills with shark cartilage um, has no effect on tumor growth. Um, so, but also the myth that sharks don't get cancer. Sharks do get cancer. Uh, they're less likely to be found dead of cancer um, for a few reasons. One is uh, sharks, when they get a little bit sick, usually end up getting eaten or otherwise dying of like from a prey or from a predator rather than slowly dying of cancer or old age or all the things that humans die of. Secondly, um, I think people just didn't look very hard. Like sharks aren't very well studied. Um, so they just, they just hadn't found any sharks with cancer. So just assumed, Oh, therefore they cannot get cancer. Um, and also sharks often live in like open oceans far away from, well, more far away than humans from uh, contaminants and other carcinogens so um, they're like less likely to have cancer like they're not most of them aren't that close to the surface so they're not getting like skin cancer that kind of stuff um, so yeah sharks are less likely to die of cancer that doesn't mean that they don't get cancer and you eating shark cartilage actually um, is more damaging to the ocean because of all this fishing pressure on sharks than it is to affecting your chances of getting cancer. So, so yeah, somebody with a PhD in agriculture biochemistry is talking about like treatments for cancer, um, and basically just because they have a supplements company that they wanted to sell shark cartilage supplements. Um, so the other thing that is really cool is that sharks do have really interesting immune systems. Um, that are worthy of study, but because there's been so much focus on disproving this cancer, cancer prevention myth that there's, um, there's nothing really like that, that part of them is less well studied. Um, and if indeed like that might, that might be why they're less likely to get cancer, not impossible to get cancer, but more resistant to cancer, studying their immune system would make it more, um, would like be more interesting than studying their cartilage. The other interesting thing about, uh, especially going back to the Alzheimer's research is that if you're eating something from a shark, the sharks are really high up on the food chain, likely to have lots of um, toxins, including neurotoxins such as mercury and other heavy metals, which are likely to give you by eating them all a uh, neurodegenerative disorders, including perhaps Alzheimer's. So it's kind of like this weird irony that we're both overfishing sharks for their cure magical curative properties, but then also like in addition to damaging the oceans, eating shark products can be damaging to the very things that you're trying to say in yourself. Lindsay, do you want to talk about uh, shark conservation? Oh my goodness. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, so sharks, uh, as you said, there's lots of them that are threatened. The mako sharks are endangered or the short fins, at least, uh, as well as many other kinds of sharks are endangered. And there's a lot of reasons towards this, which I'll talk about. But one of the biggest things is the charismatic megafauna issue. Um, because of Jaws, literally, um, people do not want sharks to live. Like, they are killed out of fear. They are killed because people don't care about them. Um, and Peter Benchley, the man who wrote Jaws, spent the rest of his life trying to save sharks. He's like, I did the worst thing ever to this incredible large amount of species. Um, so when you think about animals that we hunted like blue whales, and then we were like, oh shit. And then we saved the blue whales because we wanted to. So this is a 
humans don't want to save sharks, um, even though they're awesome and can cure Alzheimer's. (laughs) (laughs) So let's take a look at some numbers when we look at the fear behind um, not wanting to to save sharks. In 2019, there was a total of 64 unprovoked cases of shark attacks, which was lower than the uh, most recent five years, which had an average of 82. This is worldwide, 64. Um, There were five fatal attacks in 2019, two of them which have been confirmed to be unprovoked. Um, I don't know, I'd have to look further into what they constitute as unprovoked, but a lot of the things with sharks is they like to prey on weak animals. They like to prey, as you saw in the movie, they like blood and they um, are attracted to things that are moving around and have electrical stimulus because of all their fancy senses. So if you are splashing in the water like that dumb girl at the beginning of the movie um, or the dumb girl at the beginning of Jaws, they will say, (laughs) hey, that sounds like a fish that's splashing around because it's dying. I'm gonna go take a little bite. And, or if you're lying on your surfboard with your legs hanging out, they'll be like, hey, that looks like a sea lion. That sounds like a yummy snack. Then they'll go up to you, take a bite, and be like, gross, and swim away. <laughs> it's basically what happens with a lot of shark attacks. They will take a bite and realize that you are not a yummy snack. You're just a gross human with no fat. Um, and then leave. Um, that is the majority of what shark attacks are, which is why um, out of 64 last year, five were fatal. Um, so that's one of the biggest things. And then from there, for every human killed by a shark, humans kill 200 million sharks. Um, oh my God. So, yep. <laughs> so it's real bad, guys. Don't kill sharks. You want to know what you should kill? Here's some great things that kill you more. In 2015, sharks killed 8 people. Selfie sticks killed 12. In um, 10,000 emergency room injuries per year from escalators, 10 shark attacks per year. That was my favorite one. Um, Toilets kill kill 42 people a year. Hippos (laughs) kill 2,900 people. Hippos. Hippos. Be afraid of hippos. Why didn't anybody make a horror movie about hippos? Uh, everybody knows already. Vending machines, 13 people a year. Sinks, 100 people a year. Beds, 450. And coconuts, 150 a year. Champagne corks, 24 per year. Oh my God. <laughs> How many of those do you think are people trying to saber their champagne bottles? Oh, probably a lot. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we have, we're going to have a lot of information about this and the ways that you can help sharks, but it's really just knowledge. Uh, like most things, just like we've talked about in a lot of our monster movies that have more realistic animals in them, even the dinosaurs, um, the animals are not going to kill you unless that you give them a reason. Um, so be aware when you're in waters that sharks also live in shark infested waters is a bad term. Sharks live in waters, they don't infest them. You are the one infesting the water. Hooray! Don't eat sharks. Don't eat sharks. That's the message of the day. Um, okay, so that's my little preach for about sharks that you've probably heard before if you've listened to this podcast. <laughs> Be careful of your bed and your toilet 
and and your champagne corks you know, and your champagne corks and be safe in the water don't be dumb moral of the story uh amanda do you have any other shark questions or things to add um i had a biology question that is not related to sharks so in this movie uh our favorite character ll ll cool j has a pet bird which i realized part of the way through he just calls bird like he he doesn't have a name for this bird that he carries around on his shoulder. Um, so because he's the chef uh, and he is mainly uh, under the water in the, like below the water, I should say, in this submarine uh, bunker thing. Yeah. Um, would a bird live down there? <laughs> Okay. Um, well, let me put my, my parrot biologist hat on. And I guess the two sort of main things that come to mind are, I don't know, and I don't know if anybody really knows how well a parrot would do in a pressurized environment because their lungs and like lots of their respiratory system is really different than mammals. So that would be something definitely to consider. But the thing that I do know is that parrots have a really sensitive system when it comes to their photo period or like the cycle of nights and days um, parrots most of them are tropical and so really need like 12 hours of darkness and to help them sleep and that is a huge part of like um, maintaining a healthy um, brain really for them and healthy behaviors uh, birds that are parrots especially that don't um, have enough light and dark uh, have a lot of health problems and also a lot of um, behavior problems that lead to health problems such as like stereotypical behaviors like feather picking. Um, I mean, it's not the only cause of feather plucking, like um, self-mutilating and feather picking in parrots, but it's um, it's one of the causes. And um, yeah, so I would say like that, those two are the main things that would give me pause. Um, so I don't know specifically about being on a submarine, but just in general, like in a um, a small and sort of strange captive environment, probably not the best for a parrot. Would not recommend. Yeah. Well, and this parrot did not meet a very nice end. No, but it was avenged. It was. LL Cool, Day, LL cool J got his own back for this parrot. I think, I think that was definitely the reason I liked it so much in high school, was LL Cool J was just really good. He was very funny, and he um would like acted very well and he was very badass my other sort of sciencey question for you guys is uh they were swimming around with a lot of like loose wires and things and uh it seemed like they should have been electrocuted much earlier in the movie before they started electrocuting sharks but it is like a larger body water i don't know how that works I really i don't really either other than to know that um Saltwater and electricity is bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, a good electricity question that I do not know the answer to. I only know enough about electricity to hopefully not get electrocuted and to teach elementary school children. So, yeah, um, out, of my, out of my depth on that one. Um, but no, that's a, it's a really good point. There's a lot. There was probably a lot of things that would have killed them first. They did put on the wetsuits, which Sam Jackson hypothermia because of his dark past. Yeah, um, I actually there was at one point when LL Cool J was the only one who was cold, and I mm -hmm. was like, "Yeah, you are doing a way better job of acting here, my friend." Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Probably because he just watched Titanic. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, hypothermia was definitely going to be a big one. Um, once, like, you know, Thomas Jane and LL Cool J, unless they are immediately medevaced, are 100% going to die of infection. You know, and that's just the way it is. But they did get out of the water, which was my biggest issue with Jaws, is that they're like, oh, we blew up this giant shark, but don't worry, we can swim back surrounded by shark blood because there's no other sharks in this water. Yeah, Yeah, the electricity, maybe. Like, they didn't show a lot of broken wires, although there obviously was, they were there, so. And I guess the other thing that I just thought of was that um, I think most electrical systems, especially in an underwater research station, would be set up to, like, short or something. Um, So, like, the initial impact would be bad, but then hopefully all the electricity would just kind of turn off. That's one thing they didn't really talk about was the power. Like, you would have definitely thought if something blew up, they would have gone to emergency power at some point. Yeah, they did have lights in this whole thing. Well, they did have that one scene where they were looking for batteries for the flashlight, and then they're like, where does this lady scientist keep her? I was like, oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, I thought, I mean, from a very non-scientific perspective, because I have no scientific training at all or education at all uh it seemed like fairly good in the science other than like the whole curing alzheimer's thing yeah yeah and i think because they got around the loophole but they didn't make it extreme like they didn't it wasn't jurassic park 3 like the sharks didn't talk or have all of a sudden have opposable thumbs or something yeah i think they just tried to acknowledge it a lot like they're like oh that shark isn't supposed to swim backwards and oh if we Mm -hmm. open this door the water or the pressure is gonna be off and and i'm gonna stand on this wetsuit so that i can show off my boobs and Mm -hmm. (laughs) not get electrocuted yeah i mean other than sort of continuing to perpetuate the myths around sharks and their mystical powers and also that sharks exist for us to study and research and take advantage of and exploit um yeah the science was pretty good but yeah still problematic with regards to shark conservation yeah that's not great we need a a rebranding of sharks we need to have a movie where the sharks save the day somehow oh i agree 100 percent. well nemo helped Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but yeah, this is why I'm going to make all my other horror movies about giant clams and other things that can kill you. Um, and hippos. Toilets. <laughs> and hippos. Yeah, we're going to make a scary hippo movie. Um, as long as it's not a house hippo, because that would just be no, adorable. House hippos don't kill you. They're so cute. All right. Well, that probably brings us to the end of this episode. If you are looking for more shark facts or um, have any shark questions, you can check us out on social media at Nature Finds a Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can check out our website, NatureFindsAPod.com. Yes, Shark Week is late this week. It is late this year because schedules went off for some reason. I don't know. Um, so you're going to get three weeks of shark facts on our social media. So if that sounds like something that you're up for. There's also lots of funny comics. So, you know, definitely uh, check that out. There's going to be with some tips on how to help sharks. Um, and Amanda, do you have anything to plug? Um, I mean, I could get really political if you want. <laughs> but I think I'll save that for another podcast, maybe. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I'm just going to say that Amanda supports you washing your hands. Uh, um, yes. And disposing of your masks properly, because you want to talk about things that will kill you in the ocean. 
And if you're you, I mean, Sharks? turtles and ducks. No, masks kill animals. Yeah. Um, please dispose of your mask properly. Um, we will be back in two weeks with the smaller animals in Charlotte's Web. Ooh. Ooh. Have a good week, guys. Bye. Bye.